new weekly guest. Uh, we have our very own worship director, Doug Hanson. Hey, it's uh, Doug here. P. Hanson, actually. It What's is. the P for? It stands for Peter. Peter. Oh, like the apostle. I exactly. love that. Yeah. That's cool. Well, hey, uh, we're excited that you're joining us. And, uh, you know, um, I love these little conversational style things. You know, a few weeks ago, uh, we had Richard on, and then we had TJ Todd, our new tech guy, and then we had my lovely wife. I heard you tried to talk like me. Is that oh. true? Oh, I don't know. Maybe Did so. Did he? I heard that. Someone told me that he tried to talk like me. Well, so. you know, he may have so to. So I was going to. No. <laughs> anyway, I'm just guessing. Well, cool. Well, hey, uh, you know, Doug, for people who maybe only know you as the, you know, the piano man, the guy behind the piano on Sundays, you know, what do you do when you're not working here in our full-time, you know, <laughs> half-pay job as our worship guy? <laughs> well, actually, uh, I'm a teacher at South Medford High School. I teach chemistry and I teach engineering. And I also uh, lead one of the small schools over there. So, yeah. So that's what I do from, you know, eight to four every day. So, and then I spend... Most of the rest of my time working on, on getting ready for Sundays and praying about music, and I'm always looking for new music. And mm. So, yeah, it's good. It's awesome. Well, we need to give you a big thank you because um, you have been beating the drum for live streaming probably for years. At least since I've been here, you've been talking about the need to live stream, and uh, we would not be able to do anything that we're doing without all of your hard work behind the scenes. So thank you for that. And uh, I mean, wasn't there somebody specific that you were thinking of this whole time when you were beating that drum? Yeah, I've been talking about uh, um, Randy Templeton. Uh, if you don't know Randy, he was a worship leader here for many years. And Randy usually sits um, on that side of the sanctuary, and he's in a wheelchair. Um, and God has given him uh, an mm. opportunity each day to um, have his faithfulness shown through Randy living with uh, multiple sclerosis, which is a real challenge. Mm -hmm. And there's some Sundays that Randy just doesn't want to come to church. And I wanted Randy to be able to experience not just the sermon, but the entire thing and piano in his living room, which is really mm -hmm. cool. And I love to go over and play it and sing with him. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, so Randy, if you're watching this, I'm glad that we're finally able to do it. It's um, just a real answer to prayer. And I'm glad that we're able to bless you. So, yeah. We do love the Templetons. Um, Lori's so sweet with Levi. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, anyway, we miss everybody. But, you know, we are, we are scheming and praying <laughs> that we will get back on campus soon and hoping for the best. And, uh, you know, our goal, just so you all know, is that we, we want to be ready to open up the doors as soon as uh, we can. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I felt kind of bad, but, you know, when they said the state parks could open and they said, well, we need a couple weeks to get ready. You know, I just realized, man, if, if we can have people on, you know, campus, you know, that up to 100, I want us to be able to do it as soon as possible. So just know that, you know, Doug and TJ, the whole team, we're working really hard to make that possible. Yeah, we were down here last Saturday actually uh, excavating all of the equipment so that we could... We're going to be on stage this week, and so there's a lot that has to happen. It's not just like coming to church. Uh, it's a lot different mm -hmm. in order for us to, to create something that you can actually see us on stage. Um, we have lots of lights that we have to put in place, so there's a lot of stuff. Shout out to the Moyer family. They've just really gone to bat for the church, and we really want to thank Rick for uh, donating all of his lights and stuff. So it's been really cool, and we've learned a ton. Mm -hmm. So things might are a little bit different down here if you're, uh, when you come to the church. But it's still Jacksonville Press, and the building is still amazing, and we miss you. We really do. Yeah.
All right. Well, hey, so uh, let's get st- Well, I have my, I have my <laughs> weekly coffee mug. Where's the other one? You know, uh, the other Bigfoot or the other coffee mug? The other coffee mug. Oh, I, yeah, I didn't get you one. My apologies. We can share it. Well, no, no we no, can't. No, 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 we can't. I'm fine. I'm good. That's right. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I don't believe in Bigfoot, but I want to believe in Bigfoot. Does, it, does, that, re- does that resonate with you? Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. You know, we're, we're like in Bigfoot, Bigfoot territory, right? Isn't there like a trap somewhere in the Applegate? Have you heard that? I have, actually. I've heard it. Yeah. Have you been there? I have not been there, but... Yeah, I haven't been there. I'm sure somebody's been there. But you can write down if you've been to the Bigfoot trap. But um, I don't believe in them. But I, I want to. I, I think that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> uh, but you know who I, you know what I do believe? I believe in the Reformation. And so for a trivia uh, tonight, we are going to do Reformation trivia. Oh. So uh, we got something really cool on the line. And uh, so the first person to get the last answer. The last answer correct is going to win this cool prize. So, all right. So here is uh, the Reformation trivia. So if you don't know the Reformation, you know, about 500 years ago, yep. the church was reformed around the word of God. And uh, let's see. So you know the answers, write them down on the YouTube live stream. Uh, we'll start off easy and then, you know, sort of work our way maybe to harder questions. All right. So here we go. So um, who am I describing, right? This is a German reformer. He sure. denounced purgatory. You know, he said, that's not biblical. You know, true story, <laughs> right? It's, it's not really in the Bible. He was very upset about the sale of indulgences, uh, which is when you can buy this certificate uh, from the Catholic Church to shorten your time in purgatory <laughs> or on behalf of other people. Uh, they still sell them. Uh, the, uh, he also rejected the authority of the popes since they often contradicted each other. That's what he would say. Probably got in a lot of trouble. He did get in a lot of trouble. Um, and then, of course, you know, the main thing that he taught was that the treasure of the church of grace, not the church itself. You know, mm-hmm. what's the treasure? The treasure is the gospel. And then um, one of the things he did that really changed the world was he translated the Bible into German so that actual normal people could read the Bible for themselves in their own language. So... Who is that? Wait a minute. Didn't, isn't that like a door, a famous door, the Wittenberg door? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Wittenberg Tour. Yeah. Oh, is that it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, I'm spitballing here, but I think it's Martin Luther. It is Martin Luther. Martin Luther. Very good. So, yeah. yeah. Hopefully you knew Martin Luther. So. All right. So uh, you make it a little bit more difficult. All right. This is a French dude. This is a Frenchman oui, who oui. escaped France because he didn't want to be put to death for being a Protestant. He was originally by trade a lawyer. Uh, he had a deep love for theology, and all he ever wanted to do was have a teaching and writing ministry. You know, he wanted to be a writer or maybe a professor of theology. But uh, famously on his travels, a man named William Farrell told him that if he would not stop and be this community's pastor, <laughs> that William Farrell would pray to God that God would put a <laughs> curse on him. And uh, this shook this little like professorial, you know, professorial kind of guy so much that he did stay and he became Geneva's pastor. Uh, And of course, he would go on to write, you know, probably the greatest book of theology of all time, Institutes of the Christian Religion. All right. Who is that? Uh, That would be John Calvin. Yeah. Jean Calvin. But I've never, I I didn't know he was French. I know. Who knew we liked the French? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that was cool. But I mean, if you really think about that, though, that does kind of explain a lot of Presbyterian pastors, right? <laughs> like, well, would I you, would rather be a theology professor. Is that what you want books. to do? Or would you like to be a theology professor in your retirement someday, maybe? Well, maybe a lawyer, you know, really? you know, that, yeah, that is a, 
you know, it's very, it's interesting to me that he was a lawyer who really wanted to be a professor and got kind of forced into pastoring. <laughs> you know, that describes a lot of my friends, I guess. Um, so anyway, all right, so uh, going a little harder. All right, so this is a Scottish guy. Uh, he came to John Calvin's school in Geneva. He learned uh, so much about it that he, so he, uh, he... Even as a pastor, he couldn't stop teaching, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. So he still had to do that. Uh, Calvin okay. preached every day. It was yeah. incredible. Um, well, okay, so this guy comes to Geneva to learn about the Reformation, learn from Calvin, and then he brought the Reformation back to Scotland. And his famous last words before he died were this. He said, live in Christ, live in Christ, in the flesh need not fear death. Any wow. idea who that Scottish reformer is? John Knox. Ooh, nice. It is John Knox. Yeah. All right. He, I mean, I would not have known that, but I'm impressed. Well, if you go to, if you go to Scotland, his tombstone is actually in a parking lot. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's Knoxville. Is that named after John Knox? Yeah, I think so. And then there's Knox Academy in the Valley, which is pretty Definitely cool. named after him. Yeah, Definitely. So yeah. That's cool. All right. So then, uh, all right. So um, here's the one for the prize. Okay. So the first person to get this one right wins the prize. So if you write the answer down, you'll win the prize. All right, so this is an English reformer. He's also influenced by Luther. You know, he, he knows Luther's translated the Bible into German for everybody to read. So that's pretty cool for him. And he has a desire for God's word to be in the country of England and for English speakers to know it. So he translates the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Hebrew and the Greek into English. And still today, I think like over 80% of the King James version is actually his translation work. Really? All right. Yeah. So he translates the Bible into English. Um, every English speaker in the world who's ever read the Bible has depended on his translation of things. Uh, and because of this, because he translated the Bible into England, <clears throat> he was um, captured in Europe, brought back to England. Um, he was uh, tied to a stake, strangled, and then burned to death. Who is that? Should we do the like, da, 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 no. No, I like, I want to think that people know the answer to this. I know the answer to this. All right, what's the answer? The answer is William Tyndall. William Tyndall, that is right. Yeah, Tyndale Publishers, famous, famous story. All right, so last one, just, this is just fun um, for me. Okay, so, and it's a great story about the Reformation. So there's a, this guy, he is an English leader of the Reformation. Okay, so he's an English reformer. Mm -hmm. He wrote the Book of Common Prayer, mm -hmm. the first two editions. You know that prayer of confession sometimes, things we have done, things we have mm -hmm. left undone. Mm -hmm. That prayer, he... Uh, that's a great prayer. Yeah, yeah. So he, he wrote that book that the book of, you know, that prayer comes out of. But unfortunately, during the Reformation, the wrong people take power in England. <laughs> and he signs... Well, he was right-handed. He signed all of these, um, you know, statements saying he recanted of everything, that he, he was wrong, that it wasn't about God's word alone. And he recanted and he said, I don't, I don't agree with anything about the Reformation. I don't believe all this stuff. I don't believe this. And the day that he died, he was burned at the stake as a heretic. And right before he went into the fire, he said, I, you know, denied Christ and let the offending hand burn first. He stuck his hand in the flame and he burned it first Ugh. and then professed faith in Christ. Then he died in the flames. Anybody, wow. any idea who that is? Father of the Church of England. I have no clue. The original Episcopalian. 
Thomas Cranmer. Isn't that an incredible story? That is an incredible story. Yeah, so all that to say, you know, um, would, now would be a great time to study some church history. And anyone who knew William Tyndale, you get this wonderful copy of an ESV Proverbs scripture journal. So, um, you know, as you study through the Proverbs, it's just a way for you to read through this and take notes. Uh, we had some extra of these laying around from last year. We went through the Proverbs. And uh, what a great time, you know. And uh, I think I heard a sermon recently on the value of journaling. I, I can't remember where I heard Some, that, though. Somebody said that. Yeah, somebody. So hopefully you'll enjoy that Proverbs <laughs> journal. I brought my journal, by the way. Oh, you did? I oh, did. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, hey, let's uh, kick it over to the Lord's Prayer. And why don't you pray for us as we dive into talking about uh, give us this day our daily bread. No problem. Heavenly Father, we're grateful that we can come to your word, Lord, that you gave us kind of a roadmap for prayer, Lord, that you showed us the things that are important, the things that we should think about as we bring these things to you. So tonight, as we talk about uh, our daily bread and what that means, Lord, I pray that it would mean uh, that we would be able to apply it to our lives and that we would be able to take this into um, tomorrow even, Lord. So we just commit this to you. And Lord, we want to pray for our valleys. We prepare for uh, what it means to reopen as we come back to this church. We pray that you would um, just, uh, I can't wait to hear us sing together as we worship you as Lord and Savior. In your holy name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, so what comes to mind for you when I said, hey, Doug, you want to be on the Bible study and talk about daily bread? Oh, you know, it's the funniest thing. Uh, You might have this memory, but when I was a kid uh, in my grandparents' house, in their kitchen, they had this picture of this gray-haired guy who had like these wire room glasses, and I think they they, they look broken to me, but I don't remember. Mm. Anyway, and the Bible's sitting there, and then there's a loaf of bread sitting in front of it, and you can actually buy these at Walmart for like ten dollars right now. Huh. They sell them. I was looking at it on the way over here. It's like, and so it's this picture of daily bread, and and actually the other thing that I think of is this book, the Our Daily Bread. When I was a kid. Um, my dad would every single night after dinner, we would go through our mm. daily bread. And, you know, if you've ever done this, these are actually available at the church. It's just a short reading. Um, and so that's one of the first things that come to mind. And, and my father was very, very, very faithful at every night as we were kids, we would have mm. devotions. And, um, and it was a great testimony. And every morning I would watch him. Uh, as I would you know, see him, he was in the living room and kneeling in mm-hmm. front of a chair, having his morning devotions. And I do the same thing now as, as a, a father. I tried to model that to my kids, but not just to model it, but to live that out. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I, we try to have devotions every single night. I mean, not every single night, but almost mm-hmm. every single night. We try to read something and we spend some time in prayer together because it's important. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think every single day spending time in the word and, and making that part of your life cycle. So it's yeah. good. So, yeah. Do you guys do devotions at your house? We do with the kids a lot of times. And, uh, you know, I I would love to get in that practice of you doing something like our daily bread as a family. But, um, you know, usually my my mind is on in the morning, you know, and then around the dinner table. That's the other thing. You know, that's like our ritual and our time. And um, we've got, you know, all these different kids books that we love to read with the kids. Um, you know, I've probably read the Jesus Storybook Bible like 20 times to my kids. And, uh, you know, now I've got to like figure out how to make them a little bit more creative for our kids because they know all the stories, you know. So now I'm going to all like the, the interesting stories of the Bible, you know, the PG-13 ones, you know, because they know all the PG ones, right? Oh, <laughs> well, that's good. I think it's important to give kids 
um, you know, that understanding mm -hmm. and that exposure to the Word of God from your perspective, mm -hmm. um, and as you know, as parents lead their children into spiritual growth and development, um, what a great way to do that. So, mm -hmm. but I'll never forget that picture uh, of that guy, you know. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. My dad did the same thing growing up. You know, we'd read the Bible, we'd pray, and uh, man, what a great practice. And now I do it too. You know, um, you know. I think that's part of the blessing of being in a family is instilling, you know, practices in uh, your kids and, you know, train up a child and away they'll go. Hopefully they won't depart, right? There you go. Amen. <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, there's a lot of directions we could go when Jesus says, you know, give us this day our daily bread. And I love their direction, right? Which is, well, you know, part of the daily bread that we have is God's word. You know, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So um, I, I see that that is a total right read on that. Um, tonight, though, the direction I'm probably going to take us is, um, you know, the first thing that I think that we should focus in on when it comes to our daily bread is, is he talking about like actual bread? Like, is that the question? Like, is he actually talking about food or is he, you know, talking at this really super duper spiritual level? Uh, you know, which is kind of an interesting question because, um, the early church fathers, you know, the, the early Christians, the two, the guys living in the 200s, the 300s, they felt like, well, God's too holy and awesome and mighty to care about our mundane things like what I'm going to eat today for breakfast or what I'm going to eat for dinner. You know, um, so I don't know. How, do you think God is too holy or too, you know, big to care about our mundane things? Well, no, I mean, you know, his eyes on the sparrow. I mean, he yeah, says that yeah. he, he takes care of, you know, the, the birds, the flowers, the whole thing. I mean, I think he's a big enough God. I mean, if you put the whole thing together and, mm -hmm. you know, I really believe, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, I teach chemistry. And if, and if you spend enough time looking at the atom, it shouldn't stay together. I believe that it really is held together mm. um, by, you know, a divine power. And mm. so you know, I think he's big enough to take care of that. So, which is really exciting and encouraging because that means that the little quote unquote mundane mm. things of our lives, they're not mundane to him. Yeah. I mean, he gets them. Now, the thing that's hard though is sometimes we don't get the answers that we think we should. Yeah. And I think we've all lived with that, with that which is, but that's encouraging to know that, you know, I can trust him, that he's, he's faithful. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I think when people say, well, God's too big, you know, to worry about my mundane things, you know. My typical answer is God is too big not to care about those things. That's part of like the immensity and the holiness of God is not that he's like off in some other galaxy, but that he's intimately involved in the day-to-day -day things. And, you know, God has a pattern of always doing that. You know, he is the God who sees, uh, you know, he's the God who sees, um, who is, who's the old lady, who's the lady in the Old Testament? Is it Hagar? you know, who has to leave her family. And, you know, it says, you know, God is a God who sees her even in the midst of that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, God sees and knows what we need. And um, I think at first blush, that's exactly what Jesus is teaching us to pray for, especially when we think about the world that they lived in during this time. You know, you got paid your daily wage and that was it. You got your, you know, denarius and you got paid day by day. And so if you got sick in the ancient world that Jesus was living in, like if you got extended, you know, extended time where you were injured or sick, it was, you know, kind of an existential threat to your family uh, because there wasn't a welfare system. They didn't have sick leave? They did not have sick leave. <laughs> yeah, you, you would have to depend on the generosity of your neighbors or your family. And so, um, you know, and remember Jesus's disciples, you know, they have an itinerant ministry, meaning they go around and uh, people were not fabulously wealthy. And so I think, 
there's just a literal side of, Lord, give me the bread that I need to eat today. Give me the food that I need to have. And um, it may seem mundane, but uh, like, you know, uh, the irony now is like, you know, three months ago, people would be like, I don't care where my food is coming from. You're an idiot. Haven't you ever heard of Fred Myers or Thunderbird or, you know, what are the other grocery stores here? Oh, Trader Joe's, food for less, food for less. Wingo, germs. Yeah. 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 Well, now all of a sudden, people are worried about food supplies. Let's right? go buy all the toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give us this day our, our daily TP, right? Right. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I spent a lot of time in Africa uh, mm. in one of the, my jobs that I had with uh, I was a missionary, and the the church community in those countries. Um, they're a lot more transparent about their daily needs mm. and, and they actually will reach out to each other. There's all kinds of interesting things that I learned about how they would help care for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and I actually think that as a community, that's probably a more biblical way of living. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, I don't have any bread today. Can you got any something? Well, yeah, of course. And, you know, I remember my mom used to borrow you know, sugar from the, the neighbor lady. Mm-hmm. And that was always a really good thing. But, but these people, as, as believers, they were very gracious at giving to other people. And, mm. you know, I could tell you all kinds of stories about that. But, you know, that idea of not having something and yet God will still continue to provide is really powerful. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, you know, Jesus' point. You know, he talks about, you know, so not only are we supposed to pray for mundane things, you know, that God does care about, like, the nitty-gritty details, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, they found a, you know, years ago, they found this awesome little, you know, Greek uh, tile. that. See, I used... thought this was a joke when I first No, yeah, it's not a joke. It's not a joke. It's true. Yeah, it's true. They actually found that that same word uh, for daily was found on a woman's grocery list, you know, from like way back in the day. So it really does mean like your daily needs. And, uh, you know, maybe you've never thought about your daily needs, but now you may be thinking about your daily <laughs> needs and, you know. Don't you don't you rejoice in knowing that now the Lord's prayer is a little bit more meaningful? <laughs> you it can really pray is. for those. Yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, not only is there this sense that we're supposed to pray for the mundane things, that God blesses that, He wants us to be in that <coughs> excuse me, kind of relationship where the mundane things really do come up in our prayer life. Um, I don't think it should be lost on us that he says, Pray this day for our daily needs. He, you know, he said, or you know, you could translate it just as simply pray, you know, Lord, uh, give me today the things that I need for this day, like pray today. And, um, you know, and it also can't be lost in us that they're praying for bread. And so it seems like what Jesus is talking about is he says, I want you to get into a mentality that God will provide what you need day by day. You know, in Matthew 6, he'll go on and they'll say, don't be anxious about tomorrow, mm-hmm. yep. but be, you know, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, this idea of take it day by day. And, uh, you know, there's this great Old Testament story about God's people needing to only take bread for the day. Manna. Yeah. 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 In Exodus, right? What does God do with the manna? Well, he gives it to them every morning uh-huh. and they're supposed to collect it, but only enough for the day, except for on the weekends. They're yep. supposed to for an extra day. And at the beginning, they get greedy and they hoard a whole bunch of <laughs> yeah. it and it goes bad. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah. And, and so, you know, I, could, I totally get that though. Hmm. I mean, you know, well, is it going to happen tomorrow? So the first day, I'm going to take enough for the week. Yeah. I, yeah. Would, I totally understand doing that as, you know, not trusting God like the way I should. But you know what? I mean, I, sometimes I was we're talking about the daily bread. Sometimes I get up in the morning and I'm reading the Bible and my hmm. mind wanders and I start worrying about, mm. you know, well, what's going to happen when this mm-hmm. happens? Looking way far ahead, things I can't control. 
And you know, I don't think that that's I don't think that that's what God wants us to do. I mean, uh, yeah. daily bread living is recognizing that okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust Him for today. Yeah, yeah, and that, I think that's hard for every believer. And you know, it's not that we don't you know buy groceries for the week or we don't you know create you know like a like, I don't know a backup source of food you know, in case things go crazy. You know, I don't think that's necessarily what we're getting at. You know, um, to me, the way that I, I pray this is I think about it more like, you know, there, there are so many problems I could try to solve in my life or for our family <laughs> or for our church or for this world or for our state that it can be really overwhelming and it can be very frustrating, you know, um, especially for like the church, not like our church. Our church is great. doesn't have any problems, but the church has a bunch <laughs> of problems, right? And as a pastor, there's all these things that really make me frustrated. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, when I pray this, I'm reminded like, I am not here to fix the world. That's Jesus's mission. I am here to do what God has called me to do today. And I can take on today. And Jesus yeah. tells me not to worry. And so, you know, maybe today involves, I need to go get extra toilet paper, extra bread so I can have some, I don't have to go to the grocery store in the next week. That's not, you know, breaking this, you know, commandment, you know, or this prayer. What it is, is just saying, I think take it day by day and trust that the Lord is going to provide, you know, don't live out of fear, but just take every day for what it is. Um, And, you know, it's interesting that Luke, um, who also recounts the Lord's prayer, he uses that same word daily. Um, In Luke, I think it's chapter nine, he says, if anyone would come after me, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. Yeah. And I'll never forget. You know, it's funny how you can hear somebody talk about a Bible verse and what they say about it. Like you, you, know, you always hear them talking about that Bible verse. Mm-hmm. I remember one of my friends, we were talking about this verse and he goes, oh, I, I just hate that he says daily. I don't like that, <laughs> you know? And I was like, why don't you like that? What a weird thing to say, you know? And look, I've always thought about that. Why doesn't like my friend Bob, that's not his name, why doesn't, like, why doesn't Bob like it that Jesus tells us to take up our cross daily? And I think it's because it's hard and it's a real challenge. Well, there's another side to it too. I mean, you used the word calling earlier. Hmm. And, you know, I really, I believe that I am called to, to work at this church, to, to minister at this church in helping lead worship. I, I love it. It's something that God's gifted me with. Um, you know, there's a long story about that. But, I mean, but, you know, honestly, sometimes I am tempted to look at, at other things that I would like to do. And, but, yeah, I really believe that God's, for this season, he has called me to be here in this role. And I think um, contentment is recognizing that there are lots of other things out there. Um, but taking up your cross can be a celebration, but sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's hard. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, it's, there's both sides to that. But I think it's important that we recognize and that we try to live for today and, and let God take care of tomorrow and the next day because mm-hmm. we're so good at doing that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, worry just doesn't get us anything. And so, and, and I've recently been challenged to really think about that as things, opportunities have come up. I'm like, no, this is where I'm at. I'm, I'm excited about Jacksonville Presbyterian Church. I'm excited about the opportunity to have you all sit in this room again and to mm-hmm. have the musicians up here and to worship together. I think that's really important. And I'm just really grateful. I'm excited to hear you preach from your not pulpit, your <laughs> my podium, your podium, podium of I'm, truth. I'm excited to, <laughs> to have you stand in front of your podium again mm-hmm. uh, and to deliver the word to us. And, mm-hmm. and I'm also excited about the the live streaming that we've cre- that God has blessed mm-hmm. us that people can hear what you're saying and what we're doing. 
outside of this church. It's really cool, and, and it's a neat opportunity that we've been pushed into. And uh, but yeah, God is faithful. Amen. Hmm. Yeah, and I love that. And you know, to me, I think it's like the it's the long obedience in the same direction. You know, to quote Eugene Peterson. You know, it's not that we, we disregard the future. You know, I mean, Proverbs commends the ants because they work really hard so that they have food in the harvest, right? So this isn't, you know, Jesus isn't saying, just don't worry about the future. You know, I think it's focusing on today so that you go in the right direction for the future. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I think it's Francis Chan kind of made this point in one of his sermons years ago. He was saying that, you know, people always want to know, well, what's my future? Where's God taking me? And his point was basically, you know, to summarize, he's saying, what you do today is more of a concern for the Lord and more determining for your life than your plans for where you think God wants you in five years. Because how you follow Christ today will actually shape your future more than your plan about where you think God's calling you. And I think, you know, I don't know if I explained that very well, but I remember when he said that, I was thinking, man, that, that means like, today is the day of decision. Like, am I going to follow Christ today? Because if I'm like, well, I'll do all these great things for the Lord in five years. Well, I'm missing what God has for me today. Well, the great things you can do for the Lord is being faithful today. Yeah. I mean, that is a great thing. And that's actually harder to do. I mean, Mm. it's getting harder and harder to do those kinds of things. Not because we're bad people, but because the challenges are great. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we don't know what the future holds. We don't know how long we're going to be in this position. Yeah, yeah. So, and we can worry about it and stress out about it. Um, yeah. You know, what if I get sick? What if I get COVID? What if, you know, you know what? God's big enough to take care of all that. God can heal me if that happens. And, and stressing out about it isn't going to solve anything. But I need to be faithful today and find my sustenance in his word. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, take it day by day, right? There's a song. Yeah, by DC Talk. Day by day. <laughs> What's that? that? No, my, my family's from Sweden, and there's a, a Please famous... sing it in Swedish. No, I, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> but we were in Sweden, actually, and I, I was in this old church in Sweden, uh-huh. and, um, and I sat down in front of the piano there. there no, people don't even go to church in Sweden. Hmm. We asked somebody, where's the church? And they go, What's that? Oh, that must be that, that big white building over there. So we went in with my family, and I played the song Day by Day, and my dad cried, and it was pretty cool, actually. Mm. So it's a good that memory. That is cool. Yeah. All right, well, that, you know, that leads us to really the third thing that I think we are supposed to keep in mind. So, yeah, it's okay to, you know, we're called to pray for the mundane things. Uh, you know, we're called to pray, like, take it day by day. Give us this day, Lord. I know you see today. Today has value regardless of what I'm doing. You know, I think the third thing is, you know, what you talked about, which is there's also this sense that we're supposed to be praying for contentment. And um, I don't know if you found this, but I have found that contentment is not something that you uh, are naturally prone to having. And it's actually kind of counterintuitive to pray for it. You know, it's like, it's like having to dribble with your wrong hand or write with your, you know, the wrong hand. But it's like praying for humility. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be, you know, prayer beware, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, when I think about, you know, the need for contentment, you know, um, you know, there's so many wonderful verses that are just, it's such truth. But, um, you know, 1 John 2.16 um, I'll read it out of the New Living because I really like this translation of it. I think it gets at the heart of what John's saying. He says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. You know, and when you think about the way we're marketed, 
You know, oh. it's like constantly giving us more and more things that are going to be better. I mean, we are conditioned to where, you know, like <laughs> um, Caroline and I have talked about this. Like if you have an iPhone, like you have the phone that like the Prince of Saudi Arabia has. Like there's not a cooler phone than the iPhone. And even though it's like groundbreakingly cool every year, you are conditioned to think it's not really that cool because mm-hmm. there's a new version, right? And you're inundated with ads. And so even though like just 12 months ago, it was like the greatest thing anyone could possess, now you are conditioned to be discontent with it. And, um, you know, so I think really being content is one of the most counterintuitive things people can pray for. Um, and that's even harder because there's a lot of churches that, you know, don't preach or teach contentment. Um, you know, I won't name names, but you can go on Amazon and find, I mean, there are famous pastors who've written books. You know, one of them's called, You Don't Have Enough Money. <laughs> and uh, I'm pretty sure it's not based on, you know, <laughs> any coherent Bible verse, you know. Um, you know, uh, I'll never forget my dad uh, uh, praying this one time uh, when we were doing family devotionals. And this one stuck out because of my dad called himself stupid, which, you know, as a teenager, I was like, what? Stupid? <laughs> and uh, it's from Proverbs 30. And uh, it's the words of a girl, right? Uh, uh, I don't know if you remember this from Proverbs 30, the words of Agur. He says, the man declares, I'm weary, O God. I'm weary, O God, and I'm worn out. Surely I'm too stupid to be a man. And I remember my dad looked up and said, that's how I feel all the time. <laughs> and I remember I was probably like 11 or 12. And I'm like, well, I think that about you, but that's because, you know, I'm a teenager. You know, now I think my dad's super wise. But at that moment, I was like, hey, we agree on something, you know. Uh, but, you know, then he went on and I realized why my dad was wise. And uh, he, he went down, he read through this, and um, we were talking about money, and my dad read verses 7 through 9, and he said, here's the kind of prayer you should have. Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Deny them not from me before I die. Remove, me, remove from me falsehood and lying, and give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Wow. He could say, give me this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. Yeah. And he says, because lest I be full and I deny you and say, who's the Lord? Or lest I be poor and have to steal and profane the name of my God. So on that iPhone you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're sitting there and you're looking for something. Yeah. And they've gotten so creative that, you know, based upon your searches, they're going to send you pieces of information about the company that's selling yeah. the thing that you don't have that you need. And, and we're inundated every single day mm-hmm. with, being, with not being content, yeah. that, that we're either to this or we're to that. And so to live that in that middle place between being rich and being poor is really hard um, because, you know, we're, we're kind of programmed as a culture to not be content with anything. Yeah. And because people want to make money off of that yearning, that thing mm-hmm. that inside of us. And I mean, how many times have we gone out and bought something that we know we shouldn't? We really can't afford it, but we did it anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, this is getting into some, I love this, because this is getting into like the world that I think about a lot, which is the world of sort of theology and thinking about the way we make decisions. And there's a theologian named James K.A. Smith, and he wrote a book called You Are What You Love. And Christianity Today named it the book of the year a couple years ago, maybe two years ago. It was like, the book of the year. And basically what he says is everything is formational. 
everything is forming you. And um, just like watching your dad on his knees pray every night for years, Mm -hmm. that is forming you in ways that you can see and you can't see. And so it's not a surprise that, you know, you and Lori pray every night because something about experiencing that formed you in a way that, um, you know, has shaped who you are. And, you know, basically his premise is everything around you is is shaping you and the direction of your life is towards what you are being shaped to love. And what is it that all of these advertisements are shaping us to love and to yearn for? And I think that that's really the premise of the book is basically what you yearn for is what you become. You know, um, I think he uses the illustration in the Old Testament uh, when they make the golden calf, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, you know, Moses uses words to describe his people like they're, like they're like animals, like they have become like calves, you know. Um, so I think about this a lot, and I think this is why, like, consistent daily prayer is important, even if it's um, something that it's just you do it morning, noon, and night. You know, you may not have this, like, life-changing, like, breakthrough, uh, but I don't really think that's how people are formed. I think you take it day by day, and these things do form and fashion you. Um, so I got to tell you. Yeah. You're talking about journaling the other day. I mean, I've struggled yeah, with yeah. prayer in my life. And so I, I have all these journals that I've been writing in, in my life. But yesterday I got my journal out and I got my journal pen out. Yeah, and yeah. I started writing again. And so I really appreciate that. I think it's important that we spend time. I mean, you don't have to write a book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, really. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, um, but I think, you know, we need to keep our, ourselves focused um, on the things that are important. And one of the things that I've thought a lot about is, that the things that are forming mm. us is that we're really drawn by, I hate to say this, but by pleasure, mm. by yeah. distracting yeah. us from the difficult things around us. Totally. Physical yeah. pl- pleasure. It could be uh, mental. I mean, you sit down, you want to just veg out and watch a movie. And yeah. it's not that, it's, you know, not that there's anything wrong with all that stuff, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, we're being drawn to those things. Or maybe it's status. I mean, you know, it's yeah. the accomplishment. Like, look at what I can do or look at the position that I have or look what I've been able to build or whatever. And so, you know, I love the idea of just being content right in the middle. I mm-hmm. think that's really powerful. Your dad, that was cool that he read that to you. Yeah, me. yeah. And it, you know, has shaped my understanding of money, right? You don't want to be you know, rich because then you'll disregard the Lord, you'll be proud, but you don't want to be poor because then you'll steal and profane his name. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, pray for the mundane things, you know, take it day by day, ask for contentment. You know, I think that's what I guess I'm trying to really say, which is you're not going to get content because there's too many things forming you to be discontent that if you're going to work on contentment, you've got to actually ask for it. You know, you've got to be praying, Lord, Give me enough for today and help me to trust you today that you will provide. Um, all right, the last thing that we'll say in this Bible study, which to me is the one that like unlocks the whole prayer, uh, is meaningful to me, is that um, when you look at the Lord's Prayer, there are, it's, it's structured in a really specific way. Um, he says, you know, our Father in heaven, right? Then he says, may your name be holy, hallowed be your name, sanctify your name, right? That's all different ways of saying that idea. And then it says, uh, your kingdom Kingdom come, come. your will be done. So the first three prayers are actually directed towards the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, let your name be holy, your kingdom, your will be done, right? One, two, three. But if you look in verse 11, the the focus shifts to sort of humanity. And it's give us our daily bread, forgive us our debts, and lead us not into temptation. So is it like that's horizontal and the, the first section was vertical? Yeah, which is just like 
the Ten Commandments, right? The go. first uh, four commandments are about a relationship with the Lord, and then the next six are about a relationship with fellow people. There you go. And that's exactly how Jesus arranges the Lord's Prayer. And, you know, what I want to hammer on is if that's true, uh, if you look at verse 11, Jesus doesn't pray or teach us to pray. He doesn't tell his disciples, give me my daily bread. <laughs> and you'll, you'll get this because you're a worship guy, so you know my neuroses. But if a worship song has me or my more than like 15 times, I get a little stir crazy. Yes. And then I'm like, hey, Doug, let's change the, the lyrics to say our. Let's have this corporate body of Christ yep. thing. And, um, you know, I think I've been hitting this almost every week, you know, but it's our father. It's not my father. Can he is. Yeah, he is. Can I tell you a funny story? Yeah, go for it. So I took somebody to a worship conference uh-huh. and they'd never been to a worship conference before. And they sat in this session and they start talking about corporate worship. And this guy was like, corporate worship? What is that? <laughs> business so, worship. That's exactly. So he comes and goes, what's this business worship thing? I said, what are you talking about? He goes, they talked about corporate worship. I said, oh, that's not business worship. That's just, we're, we're worshiping together corporately. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I thought that was so funny, but no, yeah, I think okay. you're right. I mean, I think we are supposed to not pray for our needs as individuals, but we're supposed to pray for our needs as a valley. I mean, which mm-hmm. is why I loved that we, we prayed that there wouldn't be smoke. Hmm. I mean, I thought that was a really a powerful thing that we could do as a as a uh, group of people, and we need to be praying for our valley for this COVID thing and for fire this year. Yeah, I mean, we have all kinds of opportunities mm-hmm. to to pray, and I think something we we don't do is we don't go, oh, we prayed for this, and guess what? It didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's amazing. So we need to go back to the Lord and say thank you. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's great that 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 you answered our prayers, and yeah. so. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree, you know, that um, this idea about, you know, I think it just will change your prayer life if you sit down three times a day, morning, noon, and night, and you said, give us our daily bread. Because what that's going to train you to do is kink against sort of the hyper-individualism that is all around us and... Take a selfie while you're doing it. Yeah, take a selfie, <laughs> right, yeah. And uh, pray for not, well, you know, maybe you think, well, I've got all the food I need. Well, not every Christian on the planet does. It's true. So you need to be praying for the other Christians that they would have it. Um, and then, you know, I love what, uh, I, we've been talking about a lot of old dead guys, all those reformers. There's another have. one I want to quote. It's from a, a Dutch theologian. You know, do you know any Dutch people? You know? I do, actually. I know. So I love the Dutch. Yeah. You know, because they have this great saying, if it ain't Dutch, it ain't much. Have you heard them say that? <laughs> oh, there's Dutch bros. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Dutch bros. Good. Yeah. So there's a, okay. There's a cultural connection there. Well, anyway. Uh, this is a great Dutch theologian, Herman Witsius, and he talking about this aspect that when we pray, we're not just praying for our needs, but for, you know, the body of Christ and even beyond. He says this, he says, as the word our is plural, it's not, you know, my daily bread, it's ours. It denotes a fellowship of love by which every believer before himself, but for all the members of his family for other believers who are also his family and for all men without exception that they may enjoy the necessities of life. Huh. Man, I, I want to give Herman a big high five on that one. What a wonderful take on that passage that we are not only just to pray for what we need, but what our family needs and what other believers need. In fact, all men. I mean, what a great 
what a great thing for a Christian to say that give us our daily bread, which is what you're talking about. You know, we don't just pray for no smoke just to affect us. We pray for the whole valley. You know, we're not just praying for our jobs. We're praying for all the jobs in the valley and all the jobs and the businesses in Jacksonville that all people, you know, would have the necessities of life. And, you know, if that doesn't, you know, start to shape and reform you, you know, I don't think anything will. I was, when I first started coming to this church, I thought it was cool that we would pray for churches in the valley. Oh, yeah. As a church. I mean, I I thought, well, that's really cool that they're actually praying for other churches that are part of the valley. Because a lot of churches are like, well, no, it's all about us. And I think it's great that this church makes a decision to say, hey, we want to pray not just for our church, but for the broader church and also for churches that are in this valley because we all serve the same Lord and we're all trying to do the same thing and to honor him with the way that we live our lives. Mm-hmm. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't come up with that. So kudos to whoever who did, yeah. probably Pastor Larry. But, yeah. So, um, well, you know, there's a lot we could keep going into, but I think this is a really great start. So why don't we, uh, you know, pray as we close? Go for it. Yeah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you do care about the mundane things. And Lord, we know that there are people who are so stressed out right now. Hmm. Lord, would you provide today Hmm. the things that they need? Hmm. And would you keep them from worrying about tomorrow? Hmm. Uh, Lord, we pray that we would take tomorrow for what it is and that we would be diligent and prudent, would not be stressed out, that we would have everything that we need for tomorrow. And Lord, we pray for uh, the uh, contentment in our hearts, Lord, that it would grow, that we would pray neither for poverty nor riches, Mm. uh, that we would be content uh, because that comes with great godliness and great gain. Uh, But those who strive to be rich, uh, Lord, they fall into many snares and have pierced themselves with many pangs. Mm. Uh, Father, help us to be content. And Lord, lastly, we pray for our uh, fellow people here in the Rogue Valley that you would provide uh, the necessary food for children who are not in schools right now. Uh, Lord, for families who need support. Uh, Lord, we are totally 100% dependent on you, just like your people were in the wilderness. Hmm. Lord, have mercy. Give us daily bread Hmm. until you return. And God, I want to pray for the leaders in our valley that are making decisions about um, Mm -hmm. reopening for the people in the school districts and for the um, uh, people, the police, the fire, all of the folks, people in our hospitals and the medical folks. God, I pray that you would just give them wisdom as we go through this transition. And Lord, we want to believe that you um, are going to be in the midst of it. So we just thank you for the chance that we have to, to bring these concerns and cares for you. So we pray that in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. We love you guys and we hope to see you soon. Yep.